0: This is Steve from the Retro Man blog, and you just heard Graham Day and the Jailers with South Avenue from their soundtrack to the Daily Grind album. Uh, Welcome to the latest edition of Retrosonic Podcast. One thing that I realised when I was compiling the last Retrosonic was that most of the songs were on a record label called Damaged Goods. And I thought, oh, why why don't we just do a special, be done with it and do a Damaged Goods special. So we've gone one step further and we've actually got Ian, the MD of Damaged Goods. Welcome, Ian. Wise choice. Thank you. Hello. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thanks for joining yes, us good today. To, good to be here.
0: And we're also joined by rock photographer Paul Slattery. Good evening. Good evening, Paul. Nice to see you here. Hello, Paul. Yes. How are and, you? Not too bad,
1: Looking well, mate.
0: <laughs> yeah. And you two know each other... Um, You've known each other for a while now, have you? Oh, that's we have. Uh, 20 years, uh, we've fallen it?
1: into each other at many a gig over yeah. in the <laughs> last 25 years or 24 yeah, or 5 yeah, yeah, years. Yeah. 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 Mostly gigs with either uh, the Manic Street Preachers or Billy Childish yeah. in oh, right. the early Star-less, days. Yeah, and, then and then right. odd occasions where we've just bumped into each other in a blind haze of. Yeah. <laughs> Camera, <laughs> camera, and drunk person.
0: And that, so that was Graham Day, and that was uh, you released the soundtrack uh, to the Daily Grind, which is a, a, a yeah. fantastic album. We've already played. We we play Graham Day nearly every every episode. And we we started off at the beginning doing the podcast trying to say we're never going to repeat ourselves. We're never mm. going to have an artist. We're going to do a different artist every every episode. Graham Day, mm, we've broken that rule, but luckily he's had so many different bands. Yeah, like
1: yeah, Mid- there too. are quite a lot. Yeah, it's like Billy. I think that whole Medway thing uh, just seems. To inherently make them just keep changing their name and doing something yeah. slightly different, or yeah. or exactly the same in some different cases. Different name uh, <laughs> under different name, yeah, yeah. You know, some some people from Medway have released the same song about twenty times under different names and well, it still probably sounds ten great, different. It? Yeah, and, <laughs> you and, and still buy it's fine, and, and, and people still buy them, and yeah. you know, and I still think it's a new track every time I get it. Oh, it's that one again. <laughs> <Right>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know,
2: it's
1: never a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: got some great news. Um, I'm very proud to announce that I'm going to be involved with a gig at the Half Moon Putney on June the 29th and this is uh, really special for me because it's the official launch party of the new The Spivs album. Uh, it's coming out on Damaged Goods on June the 24th and I'm really proud to, to be involved with this because they're a great band. So Retro Man blog and Damaged Goods night at the Half Moon Putney June the 29th so make sure you're there. And the new album, Ian, you know, is fantastic. Yeah, album, the new really, album's great.
1: Of... Yeah, this is the uh, at least Spivs' uh, third album, um, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it, it's a real, it's, it's sort of a slightly more grown up, uh, you know, not in a not in a bad way, in a good way. Yeah. You know, they, they're evolving. You know, it's third album; they're bound to evolve. Yeah. Um, the first album was very much more punchy, three called cool, sort of yeah. uh, bit of punk rock, bit of garage, um, and uh, the second one sort of followed on a bit, but had inklings of sort of so. moving forward With you know
0: songs that you yeah know, there was a few slower really, ones and a yeah. few
1: more interesting sort of chord cool changes and yeah. just a bit more clever it's a great record there's no genre to it uh, no it doesn't y- you don't, it's not it's, an easy stereo you can't just fit it straight into the one well, that goes on my garage section or well, that goes on my punk section right, exactly, this, yeah. well, that one's gonna go on the floor because you won't yeah. be able to put it in your record <laughs> that's you <know>? right. <laughs> and it's just a good album in its
0: own right it's a very strong record and um i said we're going to play the first track from the album now and here's the spivs and social network and Social Network. And um, you said, Ian, that's going to be the first yeah, single. Yeah, that's going to be album. the first
1: single off the album. Um, uh, so that's coming out. Uh, I think we're actually going to do that just after the album. I think we're going to put the album out first, then follow it with a single. So that mm. you know, might as well actually have the album available and in, in the shops before they start playing yeah. it on the radio, hopefully. Great. Uh, in these modern times, everything's, <laughs> everything's slightly twisting these days. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a complicated world of uh, getting your iTunes tied up oh, with sweet. your... Real records and your virtual records and yeah. your uh, and obviously the illegal downloaders you well, might catch them out slightly, but yeah who cares? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Home <laughs> taping is killing music <laughs> still uh but um yeah, yeah, so yeah, the spivs yeah they're really good, really exciting, and uh, looking forward to them getting out they've got some dates in europe uh this month as well in in may yeah. um and uh yeah more more power to them you know it's it's yeah. evolving into uh, you know a, a nice. A really nice band, really nice people, and, and it's just sort of uh, it's working quite well, and mm. yeah, it's uh, it's good fun. So when did um, Damage Goods start off? Uh, 1988. Okay. Even though I'm only 24 now. I was going to say. Um, you've been um, yeah. not <laughs> <it? laughs> uh, No, I was actually 24 when I started Damage Goods, um, mm. and it started it just a whim. Really, it was mm. 500 quid. And being a really avid record collector, I just collected basically punk rock and glam rock um, mm. and sort of anything that sort of shot off from that really. Anything mm. I like really. Uh, yeah, it just sort of, uh, I wanted to make a record really. I wanted mm. to see how you made a, a plastic vinyl seven inch sync. I was yeah. really, never, I knew the basics, but you know, there was no mm. internet, there was no YouTube video to show me how you made a record. So I thought, well, I'll make one, then I can go to the pressing plant and I asked if I could come and watch it being made and they, oh, right. they thought it was quite a novelty yeah. <laughs> and yeah what a smoky greasy hole it was yeah <laughs> and
3: uh, what was your first uh, 7 inch record? my first
1: 7 inch was uh, Slaughter and the Dogs uh, a song called Where Have All the Boot Boys Gone which was one of my That's very favourite yeah. singles from 1977 yeah.
4: where As I'm dead. But what we've done? We don't see a night Because we're having fun. We get released on Pretty quick there. But I know I am in jail I was the leader Of a strong crowd I hundred and a gang What a crowd Where have all the Boys i am a you I'll cover the I'm stick, don't know what I don't know what I am. I don't see. I a I'm a do This M.O.D. I'm a I'm to you. I'm a business. I'm I'm a new. I'm a dream. I'm you I'm
1: I got in touch with Decca Records um, sent them an email Decca was in the last throes of death and I got the address and sent the letter in saying I'd like to reissue some of the dogs and I did it as a I cut out all the bits out of like a a kidnap sort of ransom note all right, yeah. Uh, yeah. on Glow yellow paper and sent it in <laughs> and weirdly about a week later I got a phone call from a bloke there and he phoned up and said oh right I, I got your letter how long have you been a record label I said ah, this will be my first record he went yeah. oh right and he said you know, what sort of advance are you talking about? And I said, what does that mean? And he went, mm. oh, don't worry. He said, oh, I, I live in Chinkford. Uh, I'll drop off a contract. He turned up on my doorstep, uh, knocked on the door with his contract. It was not far off of Yellow Pages. Yeah. It was quite big. <laughs> and I looked at him and went, oh, hello, uh, that's nice. Um, <laughs> what?" Should I do? He said, just sign it. That's <laughs> 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 uh, so I did. I just signed it. And he came back the next day with the tapes. Okay and it was that easy, and that would never happen now right. and that was just pure luck. you know it wasn 't my favorite single of like that era. I mean probably what do I get about the Buzzcocks had probably been my favorite, but um it was it was just one that I thought you know it was a more underground one more mm. of more of an interesting one. but I think if I want to buy it, I think hopefully five hundred people will want to buy it, which is still my criteria. Really, it's always been my criteria. If I like it and think that it's good enough that I'd buy it, there's a fair chance that 500 people would buy it or you know, yeah. hopefully more. Yeah, Occasionally yeah. less. But <laughs> 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 I'm wrong on... Quite a few occasions, but, you know, in theory, that's that's the sort of, you know, the break-even, 500, you're not going to lose too much, you're not going to make anything, but you're not going to lose too much. And I went into it thinking, well, I've got 500 quid, that's what it costs to press 500 singles then. And it was really exciting. I got to design a sleeve, I got to, you know, stick bits of... Let set on a sleeve, take it to someone and you know, this, this record pressing plant in Camden. Then they got the option of doing it on colour vinyl. And it was like, oh, yeah. Oh, right. So yeah. I went to the pressing plant to see it being pressed. And um, they actually let me, there was some, it was red vinyl, the first 500. They had some blue vinyl as well. And on the first two copies, there's clear blue that well. Yeah, which I've still got, obviously. Have you, uh, have you kept them? Yeah, being a sad gear, obviously. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, they're not on eBay yeah. or anything. No, no, <laughs> I've got number one, and number two, and maybe oh. I should sell number two. You know, so <laughs> now everyone knows about it. Oh yeah, um, big but, demand. But, but yeah, it was um, it was just really exciting, and I yeah. got a record. I did a nice label using my old typewriter. The Damage Goods logo evolved from my old typewriter, yeah. uh, just because that was the only font I had. Okay, there was no Mac. There was no. There was no fonts.com yeah right? yeah yeah well it was yeah i mean i, I made it like a fanzine you know the equivalent of a fanzine i would never done a fanzine but i always loved fanzines i loved that diy aspect and yeah. yeah so it meant i could do a bit of diy um i didn't know what to do with it first of all i, I sent i sent copies off to all the magazine all the no, magazine the newspapers that came out every thursday um four newspapers came out music ones in 1988 uh, Enemy. Unfortunately, still going. Um, (laughs) Melody Maker, uh, Sounds, and Record Mirror. Uh, Free reviews the week after, you know, within two weeks. And it wasn't a plan to start something that I would be talking about in 2013. You know, it was just a plan to do one single. I just wanted to make a record. And how did you sell them? Basically, I I phoned up, got distribution with part of the Rough Trade Cartel, as it became. All the indie distributions tied up and became the Cartel. And I got taken on by nine mile in... It's just outside Birmingham. So I drove up there and met them and, and they sold them all, pretty they much. They did? Yeah. Oh, right. they sold, I sold quite how long a few, did it take? Not long at all. First 500 went in a couple of weeks. And how but many really did great. you
3: repress uh, I did that.
1: another 500 and another 500. Wow. So, great. you know, for a record that wasn't expecting to... I still didn't really make it. You'd never make any money out of seven-inch singles. And is it still on your catalogue? No. No, I only had the licence for three years. Right. So and by the time oh. I came to we knew it, it had gone, you know, Deco had gone and it had been sucked into...
3: Of course, now Steve and I have heard the story, we're desperate to get our hands on one of the singles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I was going to bring one to show you. I have, still got, I have still got a few yeah. copies, but not many. Yeah, but yeah right, it's, right. Uh, It led on to other things. I got in touch with Giovanni D'Adamo, mm-hmm. uh, a legendary chap, uh, from the Snivelling S- Shits. Mm, I remember Giovanni. Was Giovanni at- was a writer on he? Writer, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. 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 yeah, including people like Steve Lillywhite was even in mm-hmm. the Snivelling mm-hmm. Shits as well. Oh, really? And Scabies, I've- I think, even. Yeah, I've got some pictures of them. Yeah, you have, which mm. was a real shame because that was just after I'd done the album that oh, yeah. I found out you had some oh, pictures <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Be- Better ones than I had. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Gio is unfortunately dead now. He lived life. He, he did, certainly yeah. went for it, and uh, but a really nice chap and it was really exciting because I met him and that was a completely, that was my next record was Sniveling Shits. Because okay. it could go on for about 84 episodes if I carry yeah. on one at a time, but yeah. this is a good starting point anyway. But Gio, um was one where he worked at Record and Tape Exchange, someone told me he was there. I went in, said hello, I've got this, I gave him a Slaughter and the Dogs album, said I'd really love to, Sniveling Shits, Terminal Stupid was one yeah. of my other favourite uh, underground singles. And uh, that was all they'd ever done, as far as I know.
0: Well, let's let's hear it. Let's play the Snivelling Shits and Terminal Stupid. Why not?
4: You in bed. Got it, stupid, you're hitting a mess. I could count your brain cells by on one finger or less, driving stupid, you don't know your sex. Lost track of your birthplace, cause you can't careless. You mark every man as a touch on your gun, that pass broader pleasure. Who might be the one to get so much more than one night? That's much fun, but when every new presence is nothing to do. Scope for dramatics at stage one and two Wait for dreams to come through hey, you your head to the mess, could count your on one paper
0: That was the Snivelling Shits and Terminal Stupid. And that again, that had been released before, had it? And you, yeah, that so you was, a, that? again, a
1: 7-inch from... I'm not sure if it was 77 or very early 78. I think probably mm. maybe early 78. And uh, just one of them singles that I had and loved. Okay. And after tracking him down and going around his house and pulling out old cassettes from under his bed, <laughs> at his, at his <laughs> mum and dad's house in Arnold's Grove, we took it to Dave Goodman, who actually put the album together. Um, oh, the, the so engineer? Yeah. Yeah, Dave Uh, Goodman who uh, produced uh, The pistols and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, we basically put it together and did some weird special effects in between. There's like little Mm Sniffin' Shits adverts in between on the album. And uh, it's a great album, I just love it. I think it's a totally undiscovered, never been out before. So that was a real triumph of uh, thinking it was going to do a seven-inch single and ended up doing an album that was brilliant. Yeah, really properly good and and it probably never would have been otherwise.
0: And what was your very first original new release uh
1: the first new release was um I, I obviously was going to see bands every night anyway um and uh i bumped into uh, a bloke who used to be in one of my favorite bands the revillos uh the drummer from the revillos uh, from the revillos rocky rhythm oh rocky yeah from the, the from, from the revillos yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Nick, nicky he had a new band he said oh we're playing and he had a band called the Road Holders. And, you know, I was like, oh, bloody, Revillos!" I used to love, I followed them around, mm. and I used to go and see them. And uh, so, you know, I was really keen, I thought, oh, this is going to be brilliant, people love the mm. Revillos, And uh, said, let's do a single. So we did a single with them, which was the only thing they ever released. And I've still got some. Oh, that's great. <laughs> that's how long I've yeah. still. That's he, how long he did a book as well recently. He did, yeah, yeah, very good the, the, the rhythm, yeah, method. The rhythm method, <laughs> yes. Oh, well, he, <laughs> always, <laughs> the
0: he
3: always likes a bit of doo he, because he was in. I mean, he was in a band called the Pork Dukes, yeah, of course, know, back in the late seventies. Oh, he really, yeah, um, he's
0: he's actually Eugene Reynolds' brother. And then the next sort of, I suppose, you, probably your big big hit for you was then. The yeah, well, the,
1: the one beaches. that the one that sort of made it from like. A hobby label still, which it, it was really, you know, it was making a little bit of money and then losing a bit of money and, you know, I was funding it and, um, and yeah, our, the fourth thing, the fourth new band we did um, was the Manic Street Preachers, sort of by chance, sort of not by chance. Again, they were, they, I'd heard about them um, and uh, went along to see them, their very first gig in London. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was at the Horse and Groom in uh, what's the Great Portland called? Street. Great Portland Street, Street, yeah, Street. Mm-hmm. yeah Horse and Groom pub, and they were upstairs at the Horse and Groom, and uh, another one of those gigs where a lot of people were there apparently, but yeah. uh, I was definitely there. <laughs> 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 yeah, You yeah. were one of the few. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there weren't that many people there, but uh, but yeah, it was great. They were on the, they were playing on the floor, and I'd heard the, they did their own seven inch uh, as like a promo, trying to get interest, mm-hmm. uh, called Suicide Alley. Um, and I'd got one of those, i sent off for it in the NME. Uh, you could post off a cheque. I sent off asking <laughs> them if they wanted to swap it for Slaughter of the Dogs one, and they didn't. <laughs> so I sent a cheque, I sent a postal, the, those were <laughs> the days. And uh, so I went to see them, and you know, they were great. They were just bouncing around, they were all covered in, like you know, they were all in white, with yeah. like slogans written all over them. It was like really young, early days, obviously. Yeah. Um,
0: well, they were quite exciting at
1: the time. They were amazingly I mean, exciting, could, yeah, it's they were it's great. Hard to imagine what they're like now.
0: Compared with what they were when they started because they were at the time music with for me was was pretty dull And I think you probably found that as a a photographer. You must have thought the Manics were heaven sent for you as a well. Film. It was. I mean, I first saw them in nineteen ninety. In nineteen ninety, I thought they were they, they were just young
1: boys, really. Yeah, very much so. were yeah.
3: really, really young,
1: young. And, um, right.
3: But they had
1: ideas. Yeah, and from a very small town, and sort of like you know, they were they were they were not affected by London. They weren't sort of you know, it was very much they grew up in a little bubble almost. You know, because they love the clash i mean obviously they these
0: were four which in, they denied didn't they <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. but well,
1: these were four yeah. intelligent young that,
3: guys yeah. who, who 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 as you say they loved the clash they've been
1: completely affected by the clash completely, no, no yeah. i mean about. the first single there's only three of them on the cover yeah. like the first <laughs> you know like the clash exactly. and the only reason and I, that was a great story that very Ooh. first single the reason there's only three of them on the cover is cuz richie took the photo <laughs> That, isn't that brilliant? Where were you when they <laughs> needed you? <Paul>? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> isn't that brilliant, though? Yeah. It's, I think I just yeah. Wondered, yeah. Yeah, well, that's just wonderful. <laughs> I said, why, why, are you, "Why aren't you all on the cover?" Oh, he took the photo. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Genius. Well, they just want to, they want to escape the grimness of, uh, of, the, of the little town in Blackwood, yeah. in Blackwood, in Wales, Blackwood. I mean, they, they, they couldn't wait to get out of Blackwood, although they ended up going, spinning, back. <laughs> going back there and living, and living close by. But, uh, you know, when I first saw them in a little pub up in uh, West Hampstead, they were phenomenal.
1: Yeah, oh, That was great. Phenomenal. The energy they had, like mm-hmm. early on. I mean, well, this, I, you know, I still think I still really rate them, and I've always rated mm-hmm. them. I've always thought they were, you know, I've not got fed up with them really. It was something about it, and I, I, so I just went up to them after saying, "I've got a record label. Why don't we do a record?" And they were they were sort of fine. I couldn't. They had fairly thick Welsh accents as well, and it was noise in the background, and oh, we were having trouble. Communicating, but they knew who I was because of the label, and they, I knew who they were. So we got in, they got in touch, and they came up to London, and they wanted to actually come round and my house. Uh, they came round my house to check me out because um, yeah, they were quite fun. Yeah, Pretty much, so yeah, I think I was being interviewed, and uh, and basically we sat there playing Sega Mega Drive for hours and hours. Yeah. And if I remember, I think I won. Did you beat them? Yeah. <laughs> was that part of the deal? With EA, you EA Hockey, <laughs> I think it was. Yeah, it was EA Hockey, 1990. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and so we agreed we did a single. So we, uh, it was one of the first ones I'd actually had to been asked, like, where shall we record it? And I didn't really know. So I ended up in Redditch, uh, a studio called Workshop Studios in Redditch, where I'd done one other track with a band called The Sect, who were from Birmingham. Um, and uh, they went up there and... Knocked out four songs in about a day, mm. and, and this uh, became the which new. Which became the write EP. EP, yeah. Okay. Mm.
0: Well, let's hear a track now. Let's hear strip it down. Yep. Okay, and one of the tracks that I really like is, is Helen Love and Joey Ramone. So tell us a little bit about Helen Love.
1: Yeah, uh, Helen Love uh, uh, from Swansea, Three Girls. Um, sort of evolved out of another band that I got a demo from uh, called, uh, who originally were called Love. I'm being on uh And changed the name quickly to Love Sick. And there was one track with uh, a girl singing who happened to be Helen. Mm-hmm. And uh, I... Said, oh, you know, maybe be nice if she did some more vocals and something, and Helen Love sort of formed out of that conversation. Really, Uh, it was again one of those olden days conversations by a bit of phone and a bit of like writing backwards and forwards letters here and there. And uh, I got a demo, I got a couple of tracks through, saying, "Here's a single if you want it," uh, which was called Formula One Racing Girls, uh, which was (laughs) the first single. Jerry Ramone is the second one, and we released that, and uh, quite a lot of people got. Yeah. really quite liked it Everett True in particular at, the, at Melody Maker oh,
0: right. thought
1: it was one yeah. of the best records he'd heard in a long time and actually came down uh, went to Wales to interview him did a, did a, a on piece or whatever they were called then it wasn't on was it I don't know what it was called in Melody Maker but the you know the upcoming piece Yeah, um, and I went down to Wales and we took him up on a up on a cliff, uh, just outside Swansea, the other side of uh, Swansea, <laughs> up on a cliff near some sheep. And uh, we had quite a good laugh because uh, the band were scared out their wits. Yeah. I was scared out of my wits because the band was scared out of their wits. And uh, I ended up just talking to him about punk rock and the buzzcocks yeah. and about sheep falling off the cliff. <laughs> Cause there was all these, if you looked over the cliff, there was all these sheep that had obviously just wandered off. Oh <laughs> Not the brightest uh, animals <laughs> in the world. But uh, yeah, so um, yeah. They, they ended up with a lovely feature in uh, Melody Maker, and uh, we followed it up very quickly. I think we played him Joey Ramoni, which was actually a much more hi-fi single and a much more bigger, better single, catchy pop song. And you know, they've done a few gigs. They've never done many gigs. They've always been a bit shy. They hate coming to London. They come to London, they run away immediately. <laughs> if they, if they, if you think Elvis has left the building, quick they were probably already yeah. on the M4. I yeah. um, you know, they, they really do. They're, I've actually met them in a pub and they've actually phoned me and said we've actually gone home and oh, things good. like that. So yeah, they're, they're, they're great. Um, they're a completely unique so how as how a record company to boss do you get them to do the PR for you then? Yeah, they don't. They don't. We just wing it and we just yeah. sort of got away with it. And uh, and I think part of their charm is that they're not accessible. They're not everywhere. They're not, mm. you know. But the main thing is they're absolutely bloody brilliant. Because, right. you know, from that, you know, from Formula One racing girls, if you go forward and then the third single was Punk Boy, which mm. has been covered by Ash, yeah. Various like people, Ash released it as a single, you know, and things like "Long Live the Mu- uh, the UK music scene. Uh, "We Love You" is absolutely amazing. Well, let's hear Helen Love and Joey Ramone.
3: first time I've heard that ah, great stuff great
0: song yeah. Isn't it? Mm. yeah. and you were saying that Helen had actually done a duet with Joey himself
1: she Jerry did Ramone. yeah um, uh, Joey obviously was quite flattered by the song called Joey Ramone and the fact that they mentioned the Ramones in more or less every other song um, <laughs> and uh, was fairly flattered and invited him over to New York um, they awesome. went over and played uh, one show at his uh, he, he used to do a club night in New York uh, this would have been about 2000 maybe, 99, 99, 2000, and, uh, he invited her over and, uh, they played it and met him and everything. There's some great photos. Helen's about three foot and obviously Joey's about 19 <laughs> foot. So, uh, yeah, there's some great photos. This little girl by his knee. Wow. Uh, but no, it was brilliant. You know, it was yeah. absolutely wonderful. You know, they were, they were over excited. He seemed pretty excited as well. So, you yeah, know, it was great. And the duo ended up on his solo. Yeah, yeah. It's on that, um, it's on that, uh, don't, Ah, you got me there. That album that came out just before yeah. he died with um, yes. "What a Wonderful World" on it. Oh yeah, yeah. It's yeah. on that. He, they did a duet on one track on that, and mm-hmm. he did a duet on their album. He did a version of "Punk Boy" where he sings a line oh, and she sings a line. Okay, yeah, yeah, That's on yeah. "Damaged Goods."
0: Oh, fantastic! "Damaged Good
1: two hundred and three. So did you go? <laughs> did you go
0: with them and, and meet Joe Ramone as well? No, I've
1: never met him. Oh. No, I didn't. I saw the Ramones about a thousand times, yeah. but I never met yeah. him. Yeah. Still what are they I'm doing able. now? Uh, Helen Love. They are um, weirdly well. They're still active. They're uh, they're signed to Elephant Records in Spain. Uh, they had an out. Al- they've got an album coming out this year. Um, we did a single at Christmas. We did a Christmas single with them and Ricardo from um, Ricardo Autobahn, from the Cuban Boys. They're actually reforming for one gig well not reforming. They're not deformed, but you know they're. Uh, <laughs> can you say that? I
2: don't think deformed. a band. It's a band Unformed. deformed.
1: Unformed. Deformed. <laughs> reformed. Yeah. <Okay. laughs> Anyway, they're playing uh, Indie Tracks, which is a, a very nice indie pop festival in Derbyshire at a railway station. Uh, in July the 28th night no, something like that. <laughs>
0: So to me, Damaged Goods, if I think about Damaged Goods, I probably automatically think about Billy Childish. Billy... (laughs) 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 yes very childish ah yeah I know I remember yes
1: you have obviously working really close with Billy over the (laughs) years since 1990 yeah Um, again that was uh, just one of those things where I used to go and see the Caesars uh, the Mighty Caesars um, and I went to what was the last Mighty Caesars gig where they didn't actually turn up Billy did the rest of the band didn't (laughs) because <laughs> uh, uh, no one had told them, or there was all, it was all going wrong. So they didn't have Facebook uh, then, you see? No, 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 it was well before Facebook, and you yeah, know Billy, Billy still hasn't got a mobile phone, so you still can't basically contact him. You mm. know? Smoke signals are the best way. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, Pocahontas. Yeah, <laughs> Pocahontas, yeah. Smoke signals are definitely actually yeah. more apt than I thought when I said that, yeah. actually, yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, and I, I just sat outside Dublin Castle with him uh my old cliche of his sort of dog single, uh, can I make one, for Candy you? handy, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I used it for certain people, Yeah, you there's know, certain people I'd give that to and certain people I'd give other ones to, you know, i yeah. target it and say, I've done this, how about I do one with you? And okay. basically, I, I gave him that and I said, I've got a record label, I'd really like to do something. And he went, oh, What do you want then? Right. And uh, I said, um, Well, pick a couple of tracks, and you know, and it was that easy. So... And I didn't know him, and he was quite scary in them days because he was quite a boozer. Mm. Um, and uh, what's her name? That artist woman was J-C-M-my hanging around that. Basically, a couple of days later, we, we had a single, which was a split single with the Head Coats and the Head who had just about started at that point. So, for and the uninitiated, what's the difference between the Head and the Head Coats? Genitalia.
0: <laughs> if I'm honest
1: one group's got three members you know?
3: yeah got four men, absolutely right? yeah oh, okay. yes. the three
1: member group yeah. are men so the four member group are women this doesn't relate to the deformed or the
3: reformed and there's been relationships between the men and the women yeah. right? oh it's a messy <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, oh, don't, we messy don't get into that yeah. territory know, we're heading into Dallas <laughs> uh,
1: but um, no, no basically the head coach is three chaps yeah. uh John Bruce and uh Billy um Bruce who was originally in the milkshakes and the okay. pop rivets as well yeah. um missed out on the uh, mighty caesars for some reason never quite sure why but he wasn't in the mighty caesars and um uh yeah and uh, to my mind probably the f- you know probably the finest moment just because it was a long fairly long 10 year burst of amazing amount of output over that over those hmm. years and sorry the difference is the the girls evolved sort of out of the delmonas a little bit with uh ludella black uh sarah along with kira uh who was uh, partners with billy at the time uh debbie and um um i forgot my never night oh Holly Galatly. sorry oh yeah, course, yeah. <laughs> oh shoot I me now uh yeah and holly obviously um who'd sort of been around the sort of scene for quite a while and um uh, yeah basically they they would really get up and sing songs while the head coach played mm. so but they'd have their own songs and some of their own songs and some they'd just do versions of yeah coach songs or caesar's songs or even milkshake songs um and it was just a brilliant show because it, it just worked so well live because you there was always that anticipation you'd have the boys come on and do what they did which was brilliant but there'd always be this like waiting for the girls to come on and then it sort of got even more exciting and it, oh, I just loved it I just thought it was sometimes you'd be just thinking come on get the girls on you know it's like you know, it got very ex- I don't know do you remember I, I think yeah, we, I mean, me and Paul were in Japan yeah, we're... Uh, and we saw when the girls came on uh, the headcoats and headcoats coaches played in Japan Oh, uh, a week after the Manics played, yeah. and, uh, me and Paul were slightly tipsy uh, during so. during Japan but we <laughs> at the Anti Knock a... Club at the Anti Knock in, in, in
3: Shinjuku. Shinjuku, yeah, yeah. yeah. So but, what and, were you two doing in Japan together then? Well, I was I, I'd, I'd gone over there to photograph a Manics tour. All oh. right. And then Ian had said that um, he was going to gonna go the over there with the headcoats. So oh, I said, "Oh
1: well, we will meet up." Yeah. Well, I went early. I went to see the Mannix as well. That, so, that's right. Yeah. Right. yeah
3: the yeah. early gigs So um, It was It was great Being at the Anti-Knot
1: Club Because the uh, The fans was just mental Yeah Well they were very quiet While the boys When the headcoats were on. Yeah The headcoats were on And then What's the girls As soon as the on? girls got on yeah. and they, you know, <laughs> As we woke them up Yeah Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember having to wait One one yeah. of the headcoats up to go mm. on stage But yeah. when they came on I mean Kira would do this Sort of scream Kira could scream like oh. A banshee Uh, and she would just sort of do this I can't do it obviously Um, and that place went mental, all the speakers nearly went over, I remember like (laughs) holding on to, we were on the side of the stage trying to hang on to the speakers and it just went absolutely mental but for the boys they were all very quiet and restrained and then it just went nuts and Yeah, uh, yeah brilliant, brilliant gigs and which track have you chosen to play? Uh, I've chosen the first Head Coates single. The first Head Coates uh, proper solo single, uh, which is called Davy Crockett. And a truly wonderful song. Well, let's hear that one.
0: The the headcoats with David Crockett, and um, we talked about the headcoats. Yep. And you've picked uh, a song.
1: Yeah, I hand. mean, it's probably not their best song, but it has reasonably good story with it. Um, we uh, there's a bloke called Johnny Cigarettes, uh, a journalist for the uh, NME, came along to review uh, the headcoats. Uh, well, he came along to review the headcoats. I think he hadn't really done his research, and he turned up at the. Uh, the Wild Western Rooms, which was run by a very the St John's um, Tavern, very nice chap called Slim Archway. Uh, a rough place, roughish, Ruff, roughish. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Slim, would, Slim was a very good door person, as in, well, it was his club, but he ran the door. And you know, there was a song by Arms and Shanks called Slim's Hammer, uh, which will give you an <laughs> idea of his door door manner. Um, but you know, no, gentlest, blo- yeah, loveliest bloke in the world, but. You know, obviously, you don't want to get on the wrong side of him. Uh, Johnny Cigarettes turned up. Uh, blah blah NME. Blah blah blah. Let me in. Blah blah, blah, blah. I think they made him pay. Uh, Slim made him pay because Billy hadn't put anyone on the. We didn't put anyone on the guest list apart from, obviously. Me in slats. <laughs> um, and slats, um, and but I had to beg. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Even oh, no, though I was I mean, on the guest we, list, I had to, to beg to get into, get beg into St John's and buy, f- buy him a beer into but, the St John's uh, Seven. Absolutely, but the uh, yeah, he didn't really like guest list. Guest list was just like <sighs> you derision if you didn't yeah. want to pay. It was only free quid to get in. I mean, yeah, Christ, really. it wasn't a lot, but you know. <laughs> um, and uh, he he proceeded to stand there. And he was quite tall, so he was fairly noticeable, and I knew he was anyway. He sort of hung around and he was mumbling and going, uh, and then he walked out and he, he got fed up with it and he, he sort of stormed off before the girls had even come on. So he only saw the headcoats, uh, but he thought maybe he'd seen the headcoats. So he did this review that basically uh, completely wrong, and saying there's no girls in them and this, that and the other. And it was all such <laughs> bullshit. And Billy, you know, was quite obviously vitriolic about you know can be vitriolic about things we were just talking and uh, basically I think in his head he like, wrote a song and basically We Hate the Fucking Enemy came out of that conversation and out of uh, that and oh, really? so we. I said Well, wow, we should bung it out as a seven inch then shouldn't we yeah. <laughs> and uh, obviously Johnny Cigarettes happened to be doing the singles that week and gave it a single of the week
0: Oh great! <laughs> <laughs> Which didn't do it anyhow. Uh, so wanted yeah, to avoid the hammer. Didn't yeah, <laughs>
1: absolutely. So uh, I, he, I think I think he's actually not not as bad a chap as we uh, oh, we masked him at the time. But uh, mm-hmm. I don't think he's called Johnny Cigarettes anymore. But he is still in. Media. We had to change his name. Yeah, probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's around, and and it was a good it was a good story, and uh, and it was great. You know, obviously getting signal of the week and the enemy didn't hurt sales at all.
2: She the it.
1: Basically, the head split, or yeah. uh, the fun was over, and that was the end of that, really. Um, and Holly uh, was kind of prolific and starting writing her own songs. And um, she'd done, uh, she did an EP with Vinyl Japan. And I, at the same time, I think we probably had the same conversation at the same time where I said, "Oh, I'd love to do an album with you." Mm-hmm. And uh, and she did. So we did a single, uh, which is the track you're about to play, called "Virtually Happy." Which is still one of my very favourite Holly Golightly songs. Yeah, this is a great track. Um, just got that uh, something of the Reckless Eric about it.
0: Mm. And
1: there was always something, uh, which, funny enough, there was a cover of Reckless Eric on the first album, but this has okay. definitely got that droll <laughs> sort of whiny sort of Reckless Eric sort of feel yeah. about it. Um, yeah, this and, is a fantastic track. So yeah. Let's
0: hear this now. This is Holly Golightly and Virtually Happy.
2: Feels like a god has come over me. And made the pain you paid me with ease and there's
4: hope and there's more fun.
0: a great track isn't
1: it yeah yeah i think that's that was the as i say that was the first single we did with holly after yeah. the head coatees uh and just just an amazing single brilliant single and that led on to the first album uh called the good things mm-hmm. uh which again brilliant brilliant yeah. album just an amazing start for someone you know a head coatee um just to sort of um come out on their own and do an album and it was a real you know i mean not massive seller at the time but mm certain people in the right places got it and heard it and, you know, it was one of those albums people were talking about, certainly in America as well, um, right. where the headcoats had sort of made quite a dent. They'd been over there on tour quite a lot. The headcoats yeah. had been with them and a lot of people in America liked it, you know. It's always been, it's, it damaged Goods has always been a label that's done better outside the UK than inside the UK yeah, be. Holly's been sort of you know as I say got taken on by American a lot of fans in America and a lot of the bands in America you know asked us to play with them and when, whenever they come over things like you know she played with Rocket from the Crypt she mm-hmm. recorded with Rocket from the Crypt she was on yeah. the Lipstick single if you ever see oh, the yeah, video, a great She's time. flying through the sky on a on a ginormous track. <laughs> yeah, it's a great one. Yeah, and she's on a couple of tracks with them, and she played live with them quite a few times when they came over. Yeah. Um, and obviously, the White Stripes is the the big one. Yeah, um, she was on Elephant, uh, doing the duet at the end, the last track on Elephant, which was mm. recorded at Toe Rag Studios. Which is where we record more. Well, at that point, we recorded more or less everything. You've uh, got a,
0: a, quite a close relationship with. Yeah, them. yeah,
1: Liam. Liam's a great bloke. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've known Liam since uh, you know the ninety-one, ninety-two headcoats. Mm. All came out of the headcoats and out of that sort of scene. Mm. Um And yeah, now Liam's you know great. He's got a very, very good ear, and he can he can. Uh, he can certainly record. And he's got some of the best equipment. Um, and, you know, it, there's him and another studio now called uh, Gizzard, which is Ed, who used mm. to also be at Toreg And between them, you know, they, they're they just great. You know, they're, they're perfect for recording um, the sort of music that we like, you know, we like releasing, really. Um, but no, Holly, the, the, the White Stripes thing was obviously very beneficial because we had the Truly She Is None Other album out, which we we're reissuing uh, in um. July. Okay. Which is the 10th anniversary of that album, same yeah. time, must be the 10th anniversary of Elephant as well. Oh, and Jack White cool. did and Jack White did sleeve notes uh, oh, uh,
0: sleeve. for
1: our album, which was oh, quite fantastic. handy. So, that's yeah, that's probably our biggest album by default, just because that got such massive press <laughs> yeah. uh, that it went through the roof. But it's a great album, you know, it's yeah. got some brilliant songs on it. Uh, one was used in a Jim Jarmusch movie uh, in Broken Flowers, it was the main theme. Tell mm-hmm. me now so I know. Um and uh yeah you know. Oh, so, it's good. so you get the so, odd the, the, the odd the hits that
0: comes along then now and again.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no we've had you know, we've had quite a few that have sold well but you know, and the good thing is and when we get something that sells well it means I can do something stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you know.
0: Right, this is Steve from Retro Man Blog, and uh, you just heard Graham Day and the Jailers with South Avenue, and uh, welcome to the latest edition of Retros on the podcast. Um, oh, oh, fuck, fuck. hell! <laughs> oh, there's a Come bloke cat in his grass, aren't <laughs> no, <he's> <laughs> Oh, oh well. we'll have to
1: go inside as well. <laughs> it's all going very well. Yeah.